Hello and welcome to another episode of Armchair Opinions. Armchair Opinions is a blog where qualified philosophers answer questions asked by non-philosophers. Here on the podcast, we take a closer look at some of those answers. My name is Alex Impey. I am joined by Armchair Philosophers Carl Messenger. Hello. James Brown. Howdy. And our guest today, Mark Rainey. Hello. Mark first became interested in philosophy after pinching his brother's copy of Descartes' Meditations and later earned a master's degree in knowledge and mind from the University of Stirling. Under the microscope today is Mark's opinion about why we enjoy watching scary movies, written in response to a question from Alan Getliff. Thank you, Alan. So, Mark, talk us through your opinion. All right, well, thanks for having me. Um, I love this question, by the way. This is a great question, which I've thought about before. I've actually written about it before as well. The main problem seems to be that people think being scared or being terrified is a bad thing, so you should avoid it. And yet we watch scary movies. So why on earth would people enjoy watching something that is unenjoyable? It sounds like a paradox if you put it that way, but I have kind of a three-pronged answer to that. The first of which is just that being scared isn't a bad thing. I don't think you can rate emotions as positive and negative. They're just a feeling that comes and goes. You don't control it. You can't judge it. And that doesn't mean that you want to be scared all the time. Nobody wants to be petrified out of their wits 24-7. But once in a while, you can tolerate being scared. I think you can even enjoy it. Also, negative emotions or so-called negative emotions can even be useful. Like if your house is on fire, it's fear that makes you jump out of bed and run outside. Fear will save your life. That's a good thing. Now, what makes scary movies in particular, enjoyable. The second part of my answer is about being a well-made movie. If a movie is going to scare me at all or elicit any kind of emotional response, whether it's laughter or tears or joy, it has to be well-made. And that means it's a good piece of art, which has been created by an artist to entertain the audience. So if I watch something that's full of dread and makes me feel anxious and actually scares me, even though I know it's not real, it's just a movie. I think that's a really well-made film and I respect the artist who made it and I admire the art they've created. So I think there's that kind of level of meta enjoyment where you see the film as a whole and not just the story within the film. That's about movies in particular. And then because the question was about why we enjoy watching scary movies, the thing about horror in particular, even more than just being well-made, is that often the monster or demon or ghost, whatever it is in the film, represents something bigger. So you can use zombies as a metaphor for death because every human fears their own mortality. We're all going to die one day. And in a film like Night of the Living Dead, for instance, you literally see death rise up from the ground and chase these people around the house. And it shows the onslaught of death coming for you and it won't stop. Even if it's a bit slow and shambolic sometimes, it will not stop until it gets you and you will die. But the reason I enjoy watching movies like that, and I think a lot of people do, is if you listen to a lecture about your own mortality, That's not going to be fun. You don't just want to hear someone saying, you're going to die, you're going to die, I'm going to die, we're all going to die. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear that, right? But when you watch a movie where a zombie represents death, or you can have other films like The Babadook, where there's a kind of a haunted house story, but the ghost represents bigger ideas about grief and guilt and shame even. If you wrap those up in a story and tell it to the audience, then they they find it more palatable. And it's easier to think about the issue when it's presented to you in a more palatable way. So you can actually learn something new from it. You might think about something differently than you did before. And you might even feel something you haven't felt before. So if you take all three of those together, the negative emotions, like being scared, just aren't bad. A really well-made movie deserves your respect and admiration. And presenting these unpalatable ideas in a palatable way is an important way for people to deal with bigger issues. My question is... Why do some people find certain horror movies more or less horrifying than others? As in, for one person, like Midsummer could be the scariest film they've ever seen. And for another, it's not. That's a good question. I'm sure a lot of filmmakers would like to know that because Mm. then they could make one that terrifies everybody equally. But um, a lot of it comes down to just subjectivity. Same as comedy or music. I mean, a lot of people enjoy different kinds of things with horror. There could even be some kind of childhood trauma that somebody's been through. And if you see a film that recreates something that you're familiar with, like say I've been traumatized by having spiders shoved up my nose when I was a kid, 
but you might have pet tarantulas and you think they're cute and adorable. <laughs> so if we sit down to watch a spider monster movie together, you'll be looking at it and going, oh, isn't that cute? But I would yeah. be thinking, oh my God, this is the yeah. end of the world. It was interesting because my wife said, um, I said, oh, we're talking about uh, horror films with, with Mark. And she said, oh, like uh, Silence of the Lambs. I was like, no, like like scary horror films. <laughs> She's like, that's the scariest film I could ever imagine watching. And yeah, this I, is quite scary, yeah. But I, I often put it on. And like, if it's on TV, I'll watch that. i like, oh, brilliant. I love this movie. And my wife will like leave the room, and I've never really twigged that she's really? just ho- like literally horrified by it. But I've never found it that. So you see very little gore, and it's there's menace. But I always thought of it more of a like a police thriller or something. Yeah. Like, but yeah, she views that as a horror film. She wasn't kidnapped at all as a as a as a child or anything. No, no, um, no. not that I'm she aware. She was deep by a cannibal. <laughs> no, but I no. but I think maybe I don't know if it's something about you know that fear of what. There's nothing supernatural about it. It's just humans being yeah, yeah. being vicious to each other or being mm. deranged in some way. I think that's probably quite scary to a lot of people. Yeah, that's a very scary idea. Yeah. And the way Anthony Hopkins plays that character, he's like he's a very intelligent, he's, educated man, and he's very civilized and polite. And right, that's uh, right. Yeah, he's not a monster. But he also tears people to pieces and eats them. And that's a kind of frightening dichotomy. Yeah, he's not a zombie or anything. He's a doctor of psychiatry or whatever. In fact, I googled uh, most iconic horror villains earlier on he came top of the list of several lists oh is that Hannibal right Lecter. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Well, i'm wrong about horror films then that's well because i <laughs> i was also in, that surprised me because i was also under the impression that horror entailed gore just today i've watched nightmare on elm street and that would that in my mind was kind of a quintessential horror film because of all the gore so something you said a moment ago mark about perhaps whether someone's had a particularly negative experience in their childhood and maybe that determines mm. which films they find more horrible. Do you think then that movie makers are almost exploiting something they shouldn't be exploiting in this case? Like if you make a, if you make a, so wh- whoever directed Eight Legged Freaks or something like that, are they kind of hoping that as many people as possible have, have had traumatic childhood experiences involving spiders? Like you make it sound like the director would be some kind of sinister individual <laughs> trying to exploit people. I don't yeah. know if it's that evil, but it is kind of, I mean, a fear of spiders isn't really that bad, you know, mm. compared to all the horrible things that could happen to you in your life. Yeah. Just being scared of spiders isn't that bad. So making a ridiculous monster movie about killer spiders mm. is kind of fun at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And it's always hard to know what different people would react to in different ways. So unless you targeted that one specific individual and you make a film to terrify that one person okay. and exploit them. Okay. That could be a bad thing. Right, that would be sinister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like name the main character after them. <laughs> so do you think making a, uh, a universally scary horror film would be about finding an event, maybe say it's a kidnapping or something like that, which would be universally terrifying for anyone if they were involved in it? Do you think that's part of, of the equation? Yeah, I think that's what some of the best horror movies have in common. Mm. They have to touch something deeper. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at with the whole metaphor idea, like monsters as metaphors. Yeah. It's not just about a ghost in the house, but it's it's the fear of grief and shame and guilt that touch yeah. everybody. That's a basic, you know, the basic human emotions. Everybody's felt those at one time or another. Yeah. Some more than others, some more recently than others, some more often than others. Mm. But they're still kind of universal emotions. Mm. And if a film can tap into that, then you've got something universal. to a winner. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's properly terrifying. Not just blood and guts everywhere. It has to get into your mind. And then I was very interested in your opinion when you said that sometimes the best horror films, you're, you're not entirely sure why they affected you in such a way. You can't put your finger on it. Yeah. That almost suggests that the director knows something about us that we don't. And that, I mean, that's quite scary yes. in itself. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about the well-made horrors. That's why I always make that distinction. It's a proper, well-made psychological horror can get into your mind and touch you in ways that you don't realize. But if you think about it afterwards, like the great example of that is Juon, the Japanese one. Mm. It's been remade in America even the original film was a remake of a sequel of a remake of a reboot. It's, there's okay. so many Jew-ons everywhere. But only after I'd watched it a dozen times, and it scares me every single time, I realised that some of the places people go to when they're trying to escape this evil spirit that's hunting them down, one of them gets killed in a police station, one of them gets killed in a hospital, one gets killed in their own bed, hiding under the covers, one can only see the ghost when she covers her eyes, it appears in the periphery. Oh, and it's only no. after watching it a whole lot of times I realised those are all the places that you should be safest. Yeah. You should be able to get help from the police. You should be able to go to the hospital and get a doctor. Yeah. You can hide in your own bed. And that film systematically strips away all of your safety blankets. Yeah. But not in such an obvious way that they say, hey, look at this. It's only afterwards I realized that's the theme through the whole thing. It's the sheer inevitability of it. And yeah. that's terrifying. Oh, God. 
I think that is something that the the horror film that gets you know the, the ones that really get you that actually horrify that actually scare you are ones that don't necessarily have a monster right they don't I was thinking you you know the original like TV movie of it the Stephen King's it I remember yeah. watching that when I was maybe too young and being absolutely <laughs> terrified all the way through because there was this demon that could be anything could be anyone right just happens to look like a clown most of the time and then in the end it turns out it's a giant spider. And I was just totally not scared anymore because yeah, I'm yeah, personally not scared of spiders. But it just seemed like oh, but thinking back, it's like well, that it's still that demon that could be anywhere, could be anyone, you know, could mm. you know turn into your mum and, and attack you or something. But because it was a giant spider, it seemed it seemed to lose that sense of that sort of formless horror. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That I just felt this yeah. sort of this, you know, that the fact that it didn't have a form, I, I felt was so much more intensely mm. scary. And as yeah. soon as it's a giant spider, I'm like, oh, it's an alien movie. I, I'm not interested anymore, you know. Or I, I, at least I wasn't scared. The fact that it's an alien spider as well, it's it's not a ghost or a spirit <laughs> anymore. It's just a creature that looks like a spider. That's right. Yeah. It's it's no longer supernatural in any way. So you're like, oh. Yeah, that's not properly terrifying. It's just a monster movie. Yeah, it's different. Whereas you're right. If it's if it's getting to you in, in the way that it's attacking your safe spaces, it just becomes that much more terrifying, isn't it? And was it was the, the shapeless Pennywise so terrifying, do you think? Because it could have been whatever you wanted it to be. So whatever it perhaps... I mean, I'm, I'm now thinking of that creature in the Harry Potter films... A bogger. A bogger, yeah, something like that. I am unfamiliar. Okay, well, th- this this particular um, creature is so terrifying in those films because it takes on whatever shape you're most terrified of. So I didn't know whether perhaps that was why oh, okay. Pennywise was, was so scary up until he took a concrete form. Because, I mean, yeah, for you, he could have been whatever you were most frightened of. He's probably a demonic clown, if we're honest. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What was the film you mentioned, Alex? Midsummer, Midsummer, yeah. Midsummer. Did you mention that because that's one you find particularly scary? I don't scary? find it scary at all, literally at oh, all. Oh really? Oh, I thought it was amazing. I think it's good. I just don't think it's scary. I I think it's because I watched it as a flat, and I don't know if it was just the like there was just no atmosphere when we were watching it. And but I watched it again later with my boyfriend in the dark, and it again wasn't. I don't know if it's because I'd already watched it and hadn't been scared. It wasn't scary. That's part of the answer to your question about why people find. Some things more horrifying than others. I think the yeah. environment you watch it in does matter. Mm. If you're watching it in a flat with friends, yeah. you might be chatting to each other. Because actually speaking of that Juon film that terrified me so much, I showed it to some of my friends mm. and say, this is the scariest film I've ever seen. Where do you see this? Mm. I went round to someone's flat and put it on. And they all kept talking about their holiday plans and saying, somebody want to drink? Yeah. Should we get a Chinese later? And I kept saying, would you be quiet? Something's about to happen. <laughs> and then they would all watch for the next two minutes and then go, oh, that was crap. So anyway, <laughs> and carry on talking. And they all said it was crap. But I yeah. guarantee you it's not. I just said to them, you didn't watch the film. You have no right to criticise it yeah. if you didn't watch it. Watch yeah. it properly. Yeah. <laughs> also, when I saw Midsummer, I saw it in the cinema by myself. I think oh, I went yeah. early yeah. some Saturday morning. Yeah. And there were only two other people in the room. So I had basically the entire cinema to myself and the massive screen and the sound. And yeah. I was just transfixed at the screen for the whole two hours, whatever it is. Yeah. And I thought it was good. amazing. So we've kind of got two answers to the question now. One is about whether you experienced any childhood trauma <laughs> or perhaps more generally any negative experiences in your life. And then the other one's atmosphere. That would probably account for quite a bit of difference in taste, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's where and how you watch it. Even watching something on your phone, on the tube, it's never going to be scary. Never understand no. why people do that. I watched um, Pet Cemetery, which is, which is just, I mean, I found it a very scary film, but I think I found it especially scary because I was watching it on a plane. And I don't particularly enjoy flying. I find that scary anyway. So I could have been watching yeah. the most easygoing film, but I was already scared. And yeah, that made it, that made it such a horrific experience. I haven't been so close as an adult to turning off a film as I was on that <laughs> occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't hack it. I couldn't, I wasn't in the right frame of mind. I don't know why yeah. I did it to myself. I would say you were in the right frame of mind. <laughs> you should be terrified. Maybe, maybe. But you mentioned something interesting before as well about how if, you, if you're if you watching the film looking for plot holes, then that oh, might completely yeah. destroy the experience. So I was mm. watching, is it A Quiet Place or The Quiet Place? A Quiet Place. Yeah. yeah. And I was watching that in my house at uni on my own at night and I was very tired and I was watching it and I was very much scared. And then I told my boyfriend I was watching it and he was like, oh, oh, I watched this review of it, something, something, something. He sent me the review and I was like, oh, okay, whatever, I'll give it a watch. And it basically pointed out like every single 
like major plot hole in this film. Or like cinema sins or whatever. Everything wrong with a quiet place in <laughs> ten minutes or less. It or was whatever. like it was like either by it was either Mark Commode or the guy on YouTube called Your guy. Movie Sucks. Oh, I love that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but this it was like I think it was Your Movie Sucks, maybe. And he was just pointing out that like they have a soundproof basement but mm. they don't they don't live in it. They like, don't live why, in it, no, that's why don't you yeah. just live in yeah. the soundproof yeah. basement? And they don't wear shoes. They make paths everywhere with very soft materials. And he mm. was like, why don't they just make shoes that have soft material on the bottom of them? And I was like, oh, why don't they do that? And then yeah, they, they were having a baby. Shoes out yeah, and they were having a baby. I was like, why are you having a baby? But then Carl pointed mm. out that the couple yeah. is made of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. So good looking people got to do it. Helped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I was watching. I just watched it after that, and I was so frustrated that they weren't in the basement. I just kept saying in my head, like, just go in the basement, please, just go in the basement. Yeah, but then when she went in the basement, things didn't improve for her. Like, you know, well, they weren't. You know, she no was... one should ever go in a basement, right? I mean, like, if any of these movies teaches anything, don't, yeah. don't go in the basement. Have you yeah, learned nothing? Yeah. <laughs> so do you think? Do you think that ruined it, Alex, because it burst the illusion a little bit? So I mean, you couldn't get swept up in the in the storyline or the atmosphere yeah, because you were just constantly anymore. picking holes in it. Well, so I guess this goes back to what um, Mark was saying about good directorship. Mm. It totally backs up that second point, doesn't it? Yeah, it has to be a well-made movie, like well-written, well-directed, well-staged, even sound yeah. production, cinematography, and all that. There shouldn't yeah. be stupid plot points like that distracting you. Even yeah. if the plot was stupid, they should be able to disguise it some way, get around it. I thought, um, Mark, you also mentioned about like the difference between watching a, a, a scary film on your own and, and watching a film in company. Um, do you think that makes a big difference? So say, for example, you're, you're in company who's going to take the experience seriously. They're not just going to talk mm-hmm. about their holidays over the top. Do you think that would enhance the, uh, the experience? To be honest, in my experience, I, I don't give a shit about the company. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm with people who are going to take it seriously then none of us are going to talk to each other or even acknowledge each other during the film anyway. But it's just the moment the moment when the credits roll and you step outside, then you can talk about it and say, wasn't that amazing? And we'll all share our experience. But I could equally watch it on my own and they could watch it on their own and still meet afterwards. Yeah. The worst thing is just if you're with people who don't take it seriously. I've actually had a, an experience where there was a film on and I was in company and we weren't meant to be watching the film. Like someone just, oh, stick that on, like get the news off and just stick that on. And then we were meant to be talking, but it was um, it was one of the Saw movies. I think it was the first Saw movie, and we we were just been babysitting for our friends, and they'd like come back from their night out, so we were just having a drink and a chat, and we were getting ready to go. But they'd all oh, stick that on, yeah, that's all right. And it was so distracting, like I had to ask them. So I'm, I, you know, I'm not the sort of guy who would watch one of the Saw movies. It's not something I would ever choose to watch. But I just couldn't. We were just meant to be chatting about holiday plans, right? And, and there's, there's this horror in the room, and I couldn't stop watching it. And I was like, "You've got to switch this off. I'm going to throw up." You know, it was so <laughs> horrifying. It was like the reverse of what you were saying, Mark. That you could just like, "Look, can we take it seriously?" I was like, "Can we stop taking this seriously, please? Can someone mention Corfu?" Um, but why were you watching it so intently then? I, I couldn't stop. This was the problem that it was. Well, that I knew means it was it's a there. great film. You should enjoy that. Oh no, because I was like trying to, <laughs> I was trying to turn away from it, but it was still there. Do you know what I mean? It was always going to be there, so I had to just, I had to have it switched off. It couldn't stay. In fact, even I have this one film that, because um, I think I keep it kind of quiet that I don't like horror films, because it's mm. it, it's not cool to be like, no, I'm, I don't like being scared. Yeah. And like my best friend uh, once bought me a wreck. On I think it's, is it a Spanish film wreck? Yeah. On DVD. That's a good so, one. Oh, this is great, right? Yeah. And um, I I was like, oh right. And I th- I realised that like I'm as close to this guy as anyone in the world. And I've never mentioned that I don't really <laughs> like scary films, you know. So oh god. So then I watched it. I was completely horrified by it. And now it's it's it still bothers me if I think about it that it's upstairs in the attic in a box. Like its existence, its existence bothers me. Like if I think about it, I get scared of the fact it's like an artifact in my attic. Like Jumanji in your attic. Or like something. Jumanji, it's still scaring <laughs> me now. Like it's scaring me like 10 years later. And yeah, and I kind of, I don't know if I wish, wish I'd just never seen it because it's there, it's in my head and I can't get rid of it. And What do you think did it for you? What was, what was it about that that film? Could you put your finger on it? I don't know. It's one of these that has like a, there's like, it's it's ominous. There, there's inevitability about, you know, the coming evil. 
there's an unknowing you know the, the evil's like some in some way unknown so it's just one of those uh like mark was saying it's one of these that it gets to something deeper than it's a giant spider it's not a giant spider it's you know it's something otherworldly I like the claustrophobia of that one as well. It feels like you're trapped in the film. It's a very small space they make it in. And it's all the handheld camera too. It's very tight and cramped. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's because it's like a found footage yeah. film as well, isn't it? So it's like that whole genre has that quality, doesn't it? That it's you're seeing it from a certain point of view and that makes it more uh, more personal and claustrophobic, as you say. And it gets, yeah, it got to me. And then, yeah, as I say, <laughs> I might have to destroy it. <laughs> you're right, Carl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see. I think even then, if I burnt it, it would still bother me because it's still there. Are still the copies of it, right? It still exists. Yeah. So <laughs> it bothers me. <laughs> yeah. So I want to take issue, fundamentally take issue uh, with your argument, Mark. Particularly the first, the first part of the argument that oh, you know, you can't. So you said it was so, it was so ludicrous. I think I've forgotten it. You said <laughs> that, that, that emotions, can't emotions, yeah, that emotions no. can't. But you can't think of them as positive or negative. They they just are. And you and and that and I yeah. just think that's that's mental, isn't it? Isn't that completely nuts? Well, what's your argument? Why is that nuts? Because it well, okay, just just by a show of hands, I could go to anyone in the in in the world and say if you're um, feeling joy. Is that a good or bad emotion? And they'll say, that's good. And I say, right, and if you're scared, is that good or bad? They'll say bad. Like 100%. No one, <laughs> like no one would say, oh, I think feeling joy is a bad... You know, they think it's a good thing, right? And I understand what you're saying, that it's not that the joy itself isn't inherently good and that being scared isn't inherently bad. But I'm just talking about from from the experience of the person who's going through those emotions. So the, let, let's talk about the experience of being horrified or being scared or something. So... The person who is experiencing that is, at least in some way, they're experiencing something and they're suffering. I don't think it's possible to be scared and and then that be a positive thing. I think if you're scared, then you might be exhilarated by that, like on a roller coaster. And so maybe that's Mm. what's going on here. But it's not the fear. I I think fear is always a bad thing, even with the burning house. Like I think the fear is a is a bad experience. It's a bad experience. It's a good outcome, but it's a bad experience, right? But is it always for everyone, or is it unenjoyable some of the time for some people? I just don't. I I don't think that you can say there's no blanket statement. Like you can't say that fear is always a bad thing. It's not inherently negative at all. I think that sometimes you can't. Or actually, do you think that you can enjoy it at any time? Any small dose of fear could be enjoyable. Or are you saying it's just always bad? No, I I don't think. And this might come back to bite me once we've argued this out. <laughs> but I'm going to say now, no, I don't think there is. That there might be secondary emotions or or secondary events around the fear that you know that could be positive. The exhilaration of leaving a burning building, for being an example, mm. or you know, mm. um, with horror films, whatever it is, you know, the the, the relief when you realise that it's it's just a film and I needn't have been scared about that bit or, or whatever mm. it was. Those are good things, but the fear was most definitely bad. And I, so I think I want to argue, you know, just for philosophical entertainment purposes, obviously that maybe what's going on in the horror film is not that the fear is neither good nor bad, but the fear is bad. And it's this idea that people don't understand why they're enjoying it. And they think they're enjoying fear, and like you say, and that, that people think fear's a bad thing, and so therefore they're enjoying a bad thing, and that's, that's mm. weird, and I don't know why I love it. But in actual fact, what they're doing is they're enjoying a good sensation, which is somehow mm. a secondary event that comes from a, a bad thing and it's not the fear they're loving they're loving some other emotion or some other sensation that it's just it's, it's connected in some way to the fear but isn't the fear itself which i think is always bad what would you say to that i would say to that if you're enjoying some kind of secondary joy that comes from the fear mm. like a roller coaster is a good example of this people ride roller coasters and you're terrified but they love it yeah if you're saying you get the joy of the the rush the exhilaration as an add-on to the bad feeling of the fear then why would you not just do something else that doesn't include the fear? Just do something joyous. People yeah. still seek out things that terrify you into a state of joy mm. because it is the fear that you want. It's the fearful joy or a joyful fear, if you like. But people don't just sing and dance. I mean, people do that. It makes them happy. Mm. But if you wanted to be happy anytime, you could just do that or just watch a stand-up show instead of a horror film. 
but people still seek out the joy that comes from fear. And that's because the fear is your conduit into it. And the fear is the thing that you do enjoy. Or maybe you don't, but some people do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you think, well, roller coasters are, are interesting because I think I really used to love roller coasters, but I think like in the last five years, they've just seemed to me to be just dangerous. (laughs) <laughs> I've had to, like, last year I went to Legoland, which is not particularly high octane. That is like a very sort of low level of roller coaster there. You know, it's for it's for, it's for younger children. And I was just absolutely terrified the whole time. Like, I went on pretty much everything they had. I ju- it just all looked very dangerous to me. I mean, they had one of those swinging ships. You know, the ships that swing backwards and forwards? Yeah. And I, I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> and, it, and it's like a scaled down, like, baby version. And it was still too much for me. So maybe maybe there's something about getting older that I've, I've lost that. But I don't think I ever sought that out with horror films, I don't think. I think I've always been a bit of a pudding when it came to that kind of thing. But But yeah, I would say it's definitely... Because you're right, I could just eat a ham sandwich, right? If I wanted to feel joy, I needn't go on yeah. a roller coaster. That'll make you happy. I could just eat a ham sandwich and it's pleasant and it's nice, you know. But people do something else, don't they? They're going for, it's a different thing they're after. Yeah, they want that fear to bring the joy or the relief that comes after it. Even the adrenaline rush. It could even be an adrenaline rush you get mm. from the fear. You know, your heart beats faster, you get goosebumps, you get a physical reaction that joy alone doesn't bring. Yeah, no ham sandwich is going to give you that. <laughs> that that adrenaline kind of weird if it did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, is it, so m- maybe, maybe that is true. Then maybe there is a type of joy that is only possible uh, when juxtaposed with 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 this fear. And so maybe mm. in that way, you have to go through the fear to experience these kind of sensations. I'd, I'd, I'd go that far, but I, I would still want to argue that it's not the fear that people are. Because if if you enjoy fear, then mm. you are you are you know damaged i think but mm. if you enjoy the you know the the these the right, sensations <laughs> but you know but these other sensations are, yeah i would say yeah that there's probably only it's probably the only way to get to these sensations right is, is to go through that but do you not think there's also something to be said for just trying to experience everything that a human can i mean if you try to avoid fear and terror and disgust at all times mm. you'd be missing out on half of the emotional capacity of your brain true so do true. you not just want to feel it because you can see what it's like and if something terrifies you then you can think afterwards well why did that terrify me what was scary about it yeah you can analyze yourself and find out more about yourself by putting yourself through the fear and terror yeah i think there's something to that that's interesting yeah because i think when i was younger like when i was a kid i was desperate to watch horror films like when i was 10 like trying to watch nightmare on elm street occupied 80 percent of my time you know just trying to work out a way to how we could you know persuade you know tony's corner shop to let us have the the vhs you know but now looking back like who would let what kind of irresponsible shopkeeper would let a 10 year old boy watch nightmare on elm street that just seems insane now but at the time i remember watching it thinking it wasn't really that bad oh really you didn't think it was that bad even at that age because it terrified me i think i was about eight when i saw it i mean i was scared but i didn't i don't i think the idea was that we thought we'd be damaged by it Maybe I have been. Maybe this is yeah. a roller coaster <laughs> trauma. But yeah. yeah, I thought it would be damaging in some way, and it would it would change our brains. You know, we'd come out the other end as completely changed because we were doing something illegal. We we're doing something illegal to our brains by watching Nightmare on Elm Street, and we watched it, and it was it was like oh, it was just it was really scary. But that was all. I didn't feel changed afterwards. So I think that was maybe was the disappointment. But maybe that is maybe this is my whole issue with horror films. Maybe this is my childhood trauma is Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street. But also the um. So unmitigated fear. I think I'm. I think I'm with Carl. It can't be enjoyable. If you if you're in a situation and you think that your life is genuinely in danger, I don't think anyone would mm-hmm. come out the other side of it and say I enjoyed that. You know, it just it would seem wrong. <laughs> I think you have to. There has to be some sort of make believe involved. I mean, we've spoken about roller coasters and and scary films. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you get maybe like a. I'd almost say that it's maybe a, that Carl's right to say that fear is always bad, but in the cases of a horror film, maybe it's only a pseudo fear that you're that you're feeling. So because um, like zombies aren't real, right? That's what you mean. Yeah, you, can't, you yeah. can't be scared of them. Yeah, yeah. You're in no you're in no real danger. I would have thought that changes the fear. I'd have thought that fear when you don't believe that the object of your fear is real has to be different to when you think. Freddy Krueger is real and actually coming to get you. But then, what about the uh, so the roller coaster? You you are high up. You are moving quickly. Yeah. Uh, Silence of the Lambs uh, has got no supernatural elements. There are real psychopaths, cannibals. Yeah. And I believe that there are cannibals. 
and and I believe that roller coasters, you know, are high up and potentially dangerous. So what part would the imagination play in those? You know, it's not not the same as a zombie. But the 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 the, the fear and uh, joy aspect seems to be very similar, right? I think it's the the moment after it's over and you know you're safe. I think that's what it is. I think sometimes it can be so quick that it just registers as just fear that you're feeling. Where it's like if you're so for example you said on the roller coaster you know it's up high you know it's dangerous you know potentially you could fall off but the idea is you're not going to like you're not going on a roller coaster mm. to get mm. yeeted like off off of it you're going on it because you know you'll you'll be able to safely disembark the roller coaster after the whole experience because when you're on it mm. and you're falling and you're you're you feel your stomach like smashing yeah. into your spine that's really scary because it's like oh my i feel like i'm gonna fall but you don't you don't actually you never like land yeah. you, it's a simulation you, yeah. isn't it it's just a simulation it's like with the scary films as well is that i guess yeah. maybe there's this back and forth in your brain where it's like this is really scary it's like yeah but it's not real it's like okay this is really scary it's like yeah but it's still not real mm. so it's like or even if it is real like cannibals and psychopaths specific specifically sorry hannibal lecter is not out to get you. Yeah, yeah. Um, cannibals Anthony, are real. Yeah, yeah. But Hannibal Lecter isn't. But Anthony Hopkins is. He might come for you. <laughs> so, Carl. So you think that that emotions can be bad or good? Yeah. So you think the paradox stands in a way? You st- would you say that that it's still unusual then that people enjoy scary films? No. I. But all, all I take issue with is it's and it's a very it's it's a tiny it's a minute nitpicky mm. pedant's philosophical point that it's not the actual fear it cannot be the fear that's being enjoyed i i would argue it, it might be i don't want to get into like an argument about the causation the the fear is causing the enjoyment but it's not enjoyment of the fear can you not say like if it's a necessary for the fear to be there in the first place for you to experience the positive emotion like you can't experience a positive emotion like knowing you're safe from something you're extremely scared of without Mm. that object or whatever you already being afraid of it in the first place so you have to have that fear you can't have the positive emotion without the fear so surely you can say that it is that is what you're enjoying because it's part and parcel well, I just think there's like a difference. Like I'm thinking of, say, if I'm watching a movie, it's like a horror movie, mm. and there's a psychopath who comes at someone with a knife, yeah. you know, and they're like, oh, God, and it was really scary. Like, oh, I love that. But mm. then if there's a situation where a psychopath comes at me with a knife and yeah. stabs me, but I escape, and then afterwards yeah. you're in the hospital and someone says, how was it? You know, well, it was scary at the time, but you know what? I bloody loved it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No one would ever say that. I we think would some say, people might. I think you're severely underestimating. Really? Yeah. You're speaking for everyone in the planet there, saying nobody would like that. Yeah, yeah. I think... I think there's I'll at least recall. one person who might. <laughs> there's one person. You can't say nobody. One, one in seven billion would be like, I bloody loved being attacked like that. That was great. Yeah, but you can't say nobody would until you ask them all. That's true. Oh, I just I just meant, does it does it not seem mm. as as not fitting with a It's a, an error general, of reasoning, I'd say. That what, that they would say they loved it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But even if you're talking about an actual serial killer coming after you, mm. yeah. that's not the same as watching scary movies. That's not the same. Fear. No, no, no. But if you watch a really scary movie that terrifies you to your core, that you feel sick and everything afterwards, yeah. The next day, you might still say to someone, "Jesus, that was amazing." Yeah. Well, you see, I, I wouldn't. You know, I'd say, "Jesus, that was horrible." But, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I still, it's the same thing. Yeah. So, would you be happy to say, Mark, that there are two types of fear? So, a fear that we experience when we're in real danger that we wouldn't afterwards say that we enjoyed. And then there's this other type of fear that we experience when we watch a scary movie, which is somehow enjoyable. Or would you want to say that they're both the same types of fear? That is kind of a tricky one. I think, I mean, it's in the moment. I think the emotional or psychological response would be different. Because if you're actually being attacked by someone, you will fear for your life like you might die in the next minute. But when you're watching a movie, you're never in that much danger. Although the physical response could be the same. Like your heart will beat faster. You might get goosebumps and you're breathing goes faster and you want to run away but i think the actual psychological feeling of it would be very different okay. because you're not in danger watching a film i wonder like if you're on a roller coaster is it like you're on a roller coaster everything's fine but then you like you see a screw fly off 
or something <laughs> like that. You know, and then is there a difference then in those two? So you yeah. feel, oh, I'm scared, but you know you're not yeah. going to die. And then like a pin flies out. You're like, the experience oh! changes. Yeah. Just the experience change. I think it probably does, doesn't it? And that could be like the horror film I versus the psychopath, yeah. you know. The fear changes the panic then. Yeah. I've never panicked watching a movie. But right, right. You can okay, panic yeah. in real life and then that's a different kind of feeling altogether. That's more urgent. They've got a they've got a roller coaster at um, Alton Towers. I think it might be Nemesis. Where when you're queuing up, they play noises on the speakers that make it sound like the rides falling to pieces. Do they? Yeah, before you get on it, like like nuts falling down and like shaking and rattling and. That's genius. By the time you get on it, you think it's about to fall to pieces. <laughs> you know that reminds me of your question earlier about a director preying on somebody's fears. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, quite yeah. sinister. Actually, trying to terrify you and get inside your mind and twist you before you even get on. So I guess that would be um, that would be the equivalent of an advertising campaign for a horror film to kind of plant some seeds of fear in your psyche mm. even before you got to the cinema and watched it. It was like that with the you know uh, you mentioned earlier, Mark, the uh, the Babadook, because mm. um, that film I'd seen just like a post. It, it was it was just there was just this weird advertising campaign around it that I'd seen, and when people were talking about it, they they'd say Babadook in that weird way. you know like that and it Mm. just sounds scary so then by the time I saw the film I was pretty much ready to jump out (laughs) the room before I'd started so I mean that was they they had me like as soon as it opened I was like oh my god what was that it's like it's just just the title it's fine (laughs) Um, but you know that was the same that was it was all because of the lead up so you'd been primed, yeah. By yeah, the the, like campaign. you know the the monster, the villain. It's not like you say it's not really important what it was or what it is, but yeah. But I'd I'd already had that feeling of terror just yeah. just the mention of the name. You know, I guess it's a, I guess it's a scary name as well, right? It's weird. It is. Yeah, I don't like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, that was the one film on Marxist that I'd already seen. And I thought I'm not watching that again. I'm not watching that again. No <laughs> way. <laughs> Okay, so Mark, as you explained, the original question seems to suggest that being scared is somehow a bad thing, and so you started your opinion by defending the emotions, arguing that they are neither good nor bad, but serve simply as motivators. When I am being chased by an axe-wielding maniac, it is fear, an emotion, that motivates me to escape. But, you said, when it comes to watching a scary movie, I am in no real danger. And so I get to feel the rush of fear for free. The only real danger is that I might soil my undies. Be that as it may, as far as paradoxes are concerned, I think you may have jumped out of the frying pan and straight into the fire. For if I know that I am in no real danger, then how can I feel any fear whatsoever? Hannibal Lecter, Pennywise the Clown, Freddy Krueger, Chucky, they are all fictional characters, none of them exist, yet I fear them anyway. What is it that I'm afraid of? Surely it isn't just the prospect of soiling my undies. What do you think? Well, I mean, soiling your undies is pretty bad. (laughs) Especially in company, yeah. I've thought about a couple of answers to this before. I've got a weak one and a better one and a good one. (laughs) So, Well, the weak one, the first thing that occurred to me was that things like zombies in particular, just because I recently watched White Zombie. I think it's the first zombie movie or the first one to use zombie in the title. They're not entirely fictional in that film. It's about like a sugar plantation owner who basically kidnaps locals from the village and hypnotizes them, strips them of their autonomy and their self, and then puts them to work as mindless zombie slaves. And that's technically, you know, they are zombies. So if you watch modern kind of the brain munching, eye popping zombies, they're just an exaggeration of that, but they are slightly rooted somewhere in reality. So they're kind of real, but that's not really the best argument. I think there's a lot you could say. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I even think it's weak, but I thought it's worth mentioning. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I just still um, push the idea that despite their being based loosely on reality, they are still ultimately fictional. The um, Even though perhaps yeah. there are some zombies, some z- zombie-like cases somewhere, the ones that we're looking at on the screen are themselves fictional, and they're the ones that are meant to be scaring mm. us at that point. So I'd say that the paradox stands. Then what about a situation like... I don't know if you've seen Candyman, or are you familiar with the, you know, the kind of myth where if you say the name Candyman in a mirror five times, he appears. In that film, the Candyman kind of toys with the lead character. And at some point, he kind of places her at a murder scene that he's committed, but she's completely blacked out. She has no idea how she got there. And she wakes up covered in blood with a knife in her hand and a dead body. And she gets arrested. And she's trying to tell the police, you know, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Candyman. <laughs> but they have all this evidence 
that she did it. And there's a point where I've seen that in a few other films as well, where the character starts to doubt their own mind okay. because she's saying, oh, the Candyman did it. But everyone knows the Candyman's not real. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And in that case, the only other alternative is that she did it. And that means that she's so far out of her mind, she could actually butcher this person and not even know she did it. Yeah. And isn't that scary? If the monster isn't real, then that means the monster is you. See, I, I like that. So you, you get out of the paradox by saying, well, everything's fiction and so is nothing's fiction. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You just say there is no mm. paradox. What's scary is the scary events. It doesn't matter who does it. It doesn't matter that zombies don't exist. Brains could be eaten. That's the scary thing, right? Yeah. Well, I thought I, I thought it was something to do with. So, despite the fact that the zombies, for instance, are fictional and don't exist, we ourselves are not fictional and do exist, and we should be scared of. What was it, Mark? That we should be scared almost of our own inner. If zombie-like things are happening around you, okay, and you know they don't exist, then that means you're losing your mind, and that's scary. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. Because you know this can't be real, and yet I see it before me. Okay, so so what's scary is the idea that you could lose your lose your grip on reality, maybe. What about like Jimmy? You were saying, oh, it's not scary because we know zombies aren't real. But can yeah. you not argue that they are real to the character in the film or the book yeah. or yeah. whatever? So it is a real fear because you are fearful for the character because in their world what they are facing is a true and legitimate fear. You're just sort of empathising. Yeah, you're empathising. So it is, it, they're not, zombies aren't real, but being eaten by a zombie is a real fear for the character in the film. And therefore, if you empathise with the character, then being eaten by a zombie is a real fear. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that, yeah, that, that, that definitely seems like a potential way out, but you may be able to argue that the, the character with whom you're meant to be empathising is also just as fictional as the zombies. So so you shouldn't be afraid of the zombies, but you also shouldn't feel sympathy or pity for the zombie's victim. They're both fictional. The whole universe is fictional. But the fear isn't fictional. But the fear you feel in that case isn't fear for yourself. It's not your own fear that you feel. Like, you're not personally scared. If you feel for somebody else, or you feel sorry for them and you empathise with them, it's not the same as you being scared yourself, but you can understand their fear. And it doesn't matter if they're real or not, right? Because your empathy is real and, and their fear is real in their fictional universe. They're fictional, the zombie's fictional, but seeing as how they're existing in the same, same world, plane of existence... Then it's yeah, real. It's real there. And so her, the, the fear is real, even though the, you know, the actor or the actress didn't feel the fear. But the character did, and so it's okay to empathise with it, right? And so when we empathise with it, we, that's when fear enters the picture for us. You know, we, we end up feeling the fictional character's fear. Or some some aspect of it. Yeah. Is that the idea? If the film's well done, then you should feel the fear that the character is feeling. I think you could certainly say it's okay to be scared at that point, right? When you when you can, you know, we, through empathy, you can see a scary situation. It's okay to feel scared by it. But I, I don't know if because you shouldn't. It's not like you ought to be scared by it, but you you maybe let off the the hook. Because rather than saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't be scared of this because it's fictional. It's like, no, you should be scared of it because you're empathising and it's perfect. It's not fictional in the fictional universe. Yeah. You can say, I know zombies aren't real in my universe, but in the universe that I am currently consuming, they are real. So it's a legitimate reason to be scared. Cons consuming a universe, which is strange, yeah, strange yeah. thing to say. <laughs> Alex Impey, consumer of universes. <laughs> so what I worry about there, Alex, is if you're, um, so say if you're, um, engaged in this or consuming this fictional universe as you like to say uh when the zombies come on screen why don't you run out of the cinema um because maybe i do i don't know maybe you do yeah maybe you do but it seems it seems hard to be able to um consume so much of this fictional universe that you're going to feel the fear required for enjoyment but mm. not so much that you end up soiling your undies and running out of the cinema and phoning the police or whatever <laughs> There's still the there's still the awareness that what you're watching will not hurt you. I'm not saying it's not it's not yeah. legitimate fear as in oh I could legitimately be eaten by a zombie in my plane of existence. It's yeah. more like I've chosen to sit down and watch a film and the idea of the film is that most of the time is you're placed in the mindset of the protagonist and if yeah. the protagonist is facing a fear and I've put myself in that mindset then I'm going to hopefully to some degree experience that fear but i still like i st 
so the idea the idea is is that if they're fictional then you don't believe that they exist and it just seems odd to say that you can be afraid of something that you don't believe exists that's kind of the root of the paradox here i mean it looks like i mean i think it looks like we might be heading towards a, a loophole i just don't know whether we've zeroed but in like, on it it does exist yeah. isn't it in your like you know when they say like oh I, exists in your mind is real to you like there's no way of knowing like you could look at like this lamp in front of me for example like i can see it i feel like i'm interacting with it i feel like i'm looking at it i feel like i can turn it on and off so i feel like i can do those things so to me it's real but it might not be like this could all be a simulation like who knows yeah that's right that's right so if something feels real in your mind then Hmm. it is real by that logic so if you feel a fear and it feels real, then it is a real fear. But then you do have this issue where you're going to struggle to distinguish between the pseudo fear of the of the of the horror movie, where you don't actually act on it, you don't get out of your seat, and the real fear of being chased by an actual serial killer. Do you not? Maybe that there's like I don't know if there's like a sort of almost conditioning that we've had watching a horror movie. Like if you showed a three year old. A horrific horror film like there were zombies coming at them and they had never seen a tv before and they don't understand the concept of watching a film and they see zombies running towards them i wouldn't expect that three-year-old to sit there and be like oh what a great film like this is absolutely no i agree with you yeah, yeah. that three-year-old would probably run away they would probably think oh my word there's weird creatures coming towards me i don't think they're coming for a hug so i'm gonna run away if you're in a cinema and you're surrounded by people that are like, oh, I love horror movies, and you know deep down you're a big old puss puss, and then some zombies come running towards you, and then your body's like, oh my word, why aren't we running? And you're like, oh, it's because no one else is running, because it's not the done thing to do, and I've come here <laughs> to enjoy this film, then, um, then you're not going to run. So, so Mark, you suggested that you had three answers to the, to the paradox. Was, yeah. there, was there one more then? There was one more, which... I don't know if this might blow your minds. I'm, are you sitting comfortably? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, we are, we are. <clears throat> I have two examples to back this up, so bear with me. Okay. Okay. The fact that these monsters and Draculas and Frankensteins don't exist means they're not bound by the rules of existence. Okay. So, <laughs> we've lost Alex already. <laughs> I'm gone running. I think Alex yeah. might have jumped the gun a little bit, yeah. I feel that wasn't the punchline. No, I'm already scared. I'm already scared. Okay, okay. Think about a serial killer, for instance, in the real world, an actual human man who kills specifically armchair philosophers for fun. He hates them. <laughs> and especially people whose names start with a J. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> now, if that guy's in your house, James, or even in your town or your county, you would do well to be scared because yeah, you're yeah, exactly the kind of person he wants to slaughter. But let's say he's already been caught and arrested for his crimes, and he's been locked up in the most secure facility you can imagine, 10,000 miles away. He's under surveillance 24-7. He'll never be allowed out as long as he lives, right? Now he's not scary to you, because there's nothing he can do. He doesn't even know who you are. They don't let him listen to podcasts in prison. So he has no idea you even exist. So now you're not scared, right? Because he's a real man, locked in a cell, very far away. Then consider Freddy Krueger, who doesn't exist. Even in the world of the film, he doesn't exist. That man was murdered years before this film takes place. So Fred Krueger doesn't exist anymore. He's dead. And yet when the children of the town dream about him, he appears in their dreams. And because he has all these wondrous powers, he's not bound by the laws of space and time. He can create entire dreamscapes to torture and torment these kids and then slaughter them from inside their own mind. And also even when he slashes them in a dream, their body rips open in the real world, which I put it to you, a real killer could not do. A real person can't get inside your mind and destroy you from the inside out. That's right, yeah. And if Fred Krueger was a real man, he would have to find your house, like look you up in the address book, get a taxi to your address, find a way in without being detected, creep around until you go to bed, and then stab you in your sleep, and avoid detection by the police, which a real killer would have to do. But the fact that he doesn't exist means... He can just show up as soon as you fall asleep. He'll appear in your dreams and rip your mind out. Right. Isn't that scary? So you're saying fictional entities, not only is it right to be scared of them, but they're scarier (laughs) than, than, than real dangers. Oh, yeah. Especially a far away danger. 
because they're yeah they don't obey any laws of physics, even metaphysics or even logic. So once they're in your, once they've kind of occupied your psyche, you're stuck with them forever. They can't be arrested, but the police can't take them away. They're in yeah. your mind. Yeah, like I said earlier about the Juon film, you can't go to the police. You can't go to a doctor. You can't hide under the covers in your own bed. Yeah, I mean, couldn't you go to like, could you not go to a psychiatrist and they could try and, or, <laughs> or, or an exorcist? It's like you said with that copy of Wreck. I could destroy that copy of Wreck. still there. Yeah. It's still it's in your head. Yeah. yeah, we've seen it now. But then, so to take the Nightmare on Elm Street example, I mean, the kids, so um, it didn't end well for them, but they kind of, they put up, they put up, they put <laughs> up a resistance. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, yeah. For 10 minutes or so there, like, they were putting up a good fight. So I, I'd have thought that at least I would, if I bought into this line of thinking, then I would perhaps also buy into the fact that there would be some lines of defense that I could employ in a similar way that I would ring the police in reality if there was a real serial killer after me. Often in these films, the the goodies have some... It's not completely hopeless. There's They have some means to defend themselves or to fight back. And sometimes it goes wrong. But I guess that I'd want to think that I would be able to defend myself in some way. Maybe I'd have to like appeal to some kind of mystical artifact or something, find some shaman, or I don't know. I'd still want to think that I could defend myself. Would you, wouldn't you agree that you could do that? You could want to think so, but what are you going to do against a metaphysical entity? Hide under the bed? Yeah, but I... Okay, so I... <laughs> so do you think that the... So um, they don't exist in space and time, so they can't hurt me in space and time. The thing with Freddy Krueger is that he somehow managed to transcend that barrier in the film. He died many years before, and he existed seemingly only in the children's dreams, but he managed to hurt them in real life. That was the scary thing. So I suppose that I would say that, that that would be the difference. Any idea I have of any scary monster or ghoul or villain, no matter how scary in my head, they can't hurt me in space and time. They can't make me bleed. Well, so you think. Hmm. But they can hurt you in your head. But when it came to Freddy Krueger, it wasn't. we weren't worrying that he was going to uh, psychologically harm the kids. We were worrying that he was going to turn them into buckets of blood. Yeah, but it's the first, it's still okay to be scared of it. Be- because of this very reason that, you know, you can't know that he's, you know, Freddy Krueger, it doesn't matter if you lock him up. Or even Dracula, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that you lock him up. He could still come for you. And so th- there's there's a way in that, that they're somehow intangible. But when you say come for me, what do you what do you mean? Like, so we're talking about a fictional character here. I mean, let's, instead of saying fictional, let's talk about a potential character. We don't know whether they exist or not. They're potentially real. Like, Freddy Krueger is a potential character in our universe, right? In our fictional universe, or or in our real universe? No, in the real universe. Okay, let's just okay. say that Freddy Krueger potentially, because because we we haven't disproved him, so he's a potential character, mm-hmm. right? I'm saying you've got to be scared then. But I so I'd I'd still say that if these characters exist beyond space and time, that we can't ascribe any properties to them whatsoever. So Freddy Krueger had knives for fingernails or whatever. He can't, if he exists beyond space and time, he can't have that property, and so I can't be scared of it. Well, why not? Because it's a spatial, it's a spatio-temporal property to have knives for fingers. Not in the dreamscape. I mean, I think Freddy Krueger is is a confusing example. Yeah, we're on so he, many levels. He could he could, <laughs> att- he could attack your dreams. Um, so his knives really were neither here nor there. It doesn't matter if he had, you know, he, could, he could take any form really. Yeah, there's another example actually came to mind from Juon again, where I think one of the characters it might happen more than once even, but one in particular witnesses their own death in the future but they don't know that it's their death they're seeing until the day they die. And they realize like where they are and the sound this makes and they see the time on the clock and they realize, oh, I saw this three weeks ago. And that realization is horrifying that they've actually been manipulated through space and time by the spirit. I think in that case, they're being haunted by some noise, like you hear a banging noise every night at 3.20 a.m. They just hear dum, dum, dum. And then weeks later, the guy gets hanged. And as his body swings, it hits the wall at 3.20 and his feet oh. hit the wall going dum, oh, dum. And it's only at that very moment he realises this is the sound that was haunting me. It's his own death. And that's terrifying because he saw his own death in the future and didn't even know it until it's too late. So I agree with you, it is terrifying, but I have to I have to buy in to a certain amount of that imaginary universe before it becomes terrifying. The second I start to withdraw myself from that imaginary universe and kind of stop suspending belief you know and kind of reinstate reality as i leave the movie theater or whatever i think it ceases to be 
scary. Although you might you might have beaten me there because I have kind of conceded that you can be scared in the cinema. That was just scary, just as a description. Mm. I mean, Mark didn't even need any, didn't even need a video camera then. I've just nearly sold my britches. Yeah, yeah. I was genuinely scared by it. Again, it's the inevitability of it too. Like the, this character, Kayako, the spirit can just do anything if she wants you dead. You're dead. And she can change through space and time at will and get you anywhere, anytime. But I think the the, the crucial thing, though, is that the, the fear there is is not the fear of the ghost. Like, you know, you're describing it. I'm not scared of the ghost, but I'm scared of death, right? And I'm, and I'm scared, particularly would be scared of knowing that I'd foreseen my death. That just seems horrifying in some way. That's the fear, right? That's that, That's what we're scared of there. Although in... Um... In Big Fish, that liberates the main character. He sees his death in like an old lady's eyes when he's a child, and he and he becomes like he lives his life to the full because he knows that he's ne- he doesn't fear death up until the point of his death. So it kind of mm. liberates him. So so I, with this paradox, I'd never want to dispute the fact that we're genuinely afraid. I think I think that we are scared when it comes to scary movies. The paradox is the fact that we also seem to hold the belief that these characters don't exist. That seems to be where the paradox lies, but it also seems to assume that we can only fear something if we believe it exists. And that's probably the faulty premise there. Mm. I think that that's probably too strict a requirement on fear. We can imagine all sorts of um, scary hypotheticals. Anyone with anxiety or intrusive thoughts would experience fear, despite the fact that what they're thinking about hasn't happened and may never happen. Mm-hmm. But is, is that fear that it might if there's even the smallest, smallest possibility, then there's always something to be scared of. I think it's like thrillers in particular and like ghost horror films, I think are really, really scary because you can say in your head, like, I, I didn't think ghosts are real, but you can't, I don't know if it's something you can fully prove. Like you can be like, oh, you know, if someone could give you a ghost story, you'd be like, oh, this can be explained by this or this or this. But there's always like this tiniest possibility that it could be explained by the fact that there is actually a ghost. And like like you said, mm. Mark, that it's not bound by the same laws as we are. So so are you saying that like a, a requirement on good horror is that there's there's always that chance. There's always that chance that it could happen, that it's believable. Yeah. It's at least a little bit believable. Like, just even if it's the tiniest, tiniest amount, that's enough for it to be like, I'm out of here. Yeah, that's like something else I'd thought of before, where if you're any kind of at least semi-responsible epistemologist, you would know that your beliefs aren't true just because you believe them, right? So any belief that you hold might be false. So if you believe zombies don't exist, you can believe they don't exist, but you know that they might <laughs> yeah and that's scary that's really and that's scary. where the fear lives yeah and that yeah. might okay i think that's right like there's a possibility there's always a possibility i mean that, that anything any one of these monsters could be could, could be real or something like them because purely by the fact that we've imagined them that they're sort of possible right they're physically possible mm-hmm. in some way at least and the fact that the like American government has contingency plans for zombies and stuff like that doesn't... Uh, <laughs> it's just sensible policies help. for a happy yeah. United States. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Armchair Opinions. Thank you so much for listening and thank you, Mark, for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, five stars only, and find us on our website, armchairopinions.org, where you can send in questions for the armchair philosophers. Join us next time when we will be inspecting an opinion about whether self-improvement comes at the cost of being true to oneself. Bye for now. Bye. (laughs) So, Theo, why do you think people um, watch scary movies? Well, I think they watch them because, well, two, well, for two reasons. One, because, well, kind of three because uh if sometimes uh i guess at the time before they had scary movies they one they needed uh, like a new toy that was kind of scary but still not as scary as usual so they added that in okay number two because well it's kind of fun being scared sometimes you could scream for fun right yeah being scared yeah and three because well Sometimes, 
I mean, we made this stuff up, so, like, we feel, well, we, we watch this stuff because mm. without, because without it, yeah. all the films we watch will be just happy things, like bunnies hopping around, <laughs> but then, but if we came war, but like a tank came along, tank, yeah. and we're like, who has this? I think that pots of bunny balloons. No, it's about to kill you. <clears throat> Got you. Kaboomy. Got you. Kaboomy.